Hello, listeners, new and old, also known as Docalos. Welcome to the Documenteers, the podcast about documentaries, where each week myself, Bob Sham, and recurring enthusiasts discuss and break down a different documentary and rate it, and often discuss the issues that the documentary discusses. This episode, we knocked down yet another 30 for 30 with our resident sports expert, Drew. 30 for 30s are ESPN original documentaries all about sports and the films we're discussing. I think most people know that, but I maybe should sometimes explain that a little more. This episode could be a little divisive, even amongst sports fans, maybe even amongst those who play fantasy sports, because as is stated in this film, nothing is less interesting than someone else's fantasy sports team. Yes, if you've been going down the release date list of 30 for 30s, then you already know that today's documentary, Adam Curlin and Lucas Jansen's Silly Little Game, and that silly little game in question, created by a special pack of publishing dorks in New York City, thus being the originators of an industry that is billions of dollars. Back then, they called it Rotisserie League. More on that within this episode. Next week on the show, Angela joins me. You might hear from her a lot. That works out because we live together, are married. And she also happens to be one of the most popular co-hosts. Longtime listeners might remember Ginger, who had to take a leave of absence. She should be returning to the show soon, I'm happy to say. And also, I wouldn't mind adding more girl power to the show on top of that. More of that very soon. In the meantime, Angela and I have been talking a lot about domestic violence and child abduction lately. And she needs a break, so our next film is going to be light. It's going to be all about kitty cats. We're talking about a doc you can watch on Netflix about cat shows. You love cats and probably have that parasite that makes you love them. And that's why we're going to watch and discuss Aaron Hancock's and Michael McNamara's Catwalk, Tales from the Cat Show Circuit. It looks like a fun documentary to decompress with, and it has been recommended. So yeah, join us for all that fun next week, right here on The Documenteers. Just a couple of music credits for this episode. A little bit of that delightfully awful song, Get Metsmerized, appears in this episode. If you don't know what that song is, it is a rap song, I say rap very loosely, that was performed by the 1986 world champion New York Mets, hence the title, Get Metsmerized. It's very bad, and it was actually a hit because New York was fucking Mets crazy at the time. It's so dumb and one of my favorite terrible things in all of music, and longtime listeners know that I have a lot of love for music that is uniquely terrible. The other song clip we hear it's from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, specifically the song The Candyman, as performed by the late Aubrey Woods. I'll be honest with you, that Candyman clip plays into a joke that is very disgusting. This episode gets strangely blue, but that shouldn't be too much of a surprise, really. Our shows are usually explicit. Speaking of this episode, I think we've made a strange one here. I did spice this one up with something special. I took some boisterous audience laughter from an episode of married with children some of you may remember that show they performed in front of a live studio audience that seemed to be full of drunk frat boys based on how they reacted to certain jokes now i don't usually reference clips we drop outside of the music ones but i want to mention this because when i was looking for this shit i came across something bizarre that is definitely representative of another time let me set it up for you kelly bundy is getting all these gifts in the mail from a mysterious suitor. The whole family is shamelessly reaping the benefits of nice, expensive things. Her brother, Bud Bundy, 
seems to be the only one concerned about this situation and makes this statement. Dad, don't you know what that means? He's stalking her. I know, I've done this to women. <laughs> Yeah, Bud's a stalker. Woo! That show was absurd, but if I had to pick any sitcom laughter to inject into my life, it would have to be the ridiculous idiots that went to live tapings of Married with Children. There you go. I think we're all pretty well strapped in for this one. Let's get on with the origins of the great pretend pastime. Documenteerspodcast.com for all your information. Five stars and a review on Apple Podcasts is a great way to help the show out and helps people find us. Please do so if you have not already. And one more thing, please keep on docking. Here is a motion picture film, a thousand feet, 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. The origins of the Rotisserie League were inauspicious enough. You could say we had been preparing for this ever since our prepubescent days, collecting baseball cards, playing two-man stickball while doing an eight-year-old's version of play-by-play. For us, it wasn't enough just to watch baseball or to study it in the box scores. We all wished in some way to possess it, to control it. But lacking 20 million bucks and a pair of plaid pants, we were clearly never going to own a major league club unless we invented our own major league. The newest? Isn't he, <laughs> is he fucking even alive? No way. I don't know who's alive or dead anymore. You guys ready for some hot new Ernie, Tennessee Ernie Ford? Yeah, well, that's something I would listen to. You From mean beyond country the grave. music? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd listen to that. <laughs> Drew, welcome back to the show. We're uh, on that 30 for 30 kick. As usual, that's what we do here, you and I. Always happy to be here. Yeah. We're uh, almost done with the 30 for 30s, right? No, we've got like 200 more after this. I keep getting in here and feeling like we've we've gone through a whole bunch of these. And then when I get ready to t- watch the movie that you've said, okay, this is the one we're doing this week. Watch the movie, take some notes. I pop it in. It's like 30 for 30, number 11. Wait, how many episodes <laughs> have we done? <laughs> I think it's not going to be until year three of this that we'll even finish the first season of 30 for 30. <laughs> Good, good. That's, seems very daunting. I love that they're all out there. And well, that we get to watch them all and talk about them right here on Documentaries. There's no short of shortage of content. I mean, I guess that goes with any house. There's plenty of documentaries out there. Uh, this will all be decided by the time people hear this episode. But in tradition of dating ourselves, how's your March Madness bracket going? Busted. We're going into the final four as of this conversation. Totally busted. I did predict Auburn to go to the finals. Other than that, I'm busted as well, pretty much. Hey, that's that's something, right? The only thing I can take credit for right now is that all of the final four teams that I've picked, except for Virginia, which is still out there, the team that beat them is the team that's in the final four. So yeah. if you're not going to make it yourself, you want to lose to the best. That's right. Who beat Virginia again? Nobody yet. Oh, right. That's right. So Virginia... Way back in the past when we're talking about this. So Virginia and (laughs) Auburn are the only two teams left that I have. And you're going to lose one of them? And I'm guaranteed to lose one. Oh, I don't know. In the near future, which is now the past. Duke upset, though, huh? 
So I watched that Virginia Oregon game. Kinda. That's the one game you chose to watch. Well, all the great games. It was a pretty good game. That's the one I had time to watch. Let me tell you though, uh, my favorite game of March Madness is that one where that white guy missed that uncontested three. Also, that game where that dude missed that layup. That was that was a good one too. I gotta have you on the show soon for this kind of commentary. <laughs> this is what's missing from the airwaves. <laughs> now, Drew, we are players of fantasy. Some call it fantasy. Uh, we call it fantasy. Font. I gotta credit John Wordster for coining the term fantasy. I can't take credit for that. Best show. It's one of my favorite podcasts. But is that when you play fantasy while drinking a Fanta? Yeah, fantasy. Ooh. The people in this movie they have a tradition of dumping you on their head for whoever wins their league. Fanta. Dumping Fanta on there. There's got to be a league out there that dumps Fanta on each other. If not, make it happen. We're about to. Now, remember, you uh, you host a couple of fantasy football leagues, right? I, I like the term host the fantasy league. Yeah, you're the commissioner. The commissioner, damn it. Yeah. I got power. <laughs> you're going to suspend me if me and my wife get in a bad fight? Yeah, or if you uh, need drugs. Or if I kneel during an anthem, are you going to suspend me? No, that will just sweep under the rug. Well, good. Good. <laughs> Recommend that you're respecting my freedoms of speeches. Be like, hey, maybe you should just like stay in the locker room or something. I uh, was not really into football that much. And for years, you kept requests asking if I wanted to be in your fantasy football league. This is like five plus years ago at this point. And eventually I was just like, you know what, Drew? I'll do- I don't care about football. I'll join your fantasy football league. And our lives changed forever. My life changed forever. Within two weeks, I felt like I could have told you like the dick size of every running back in the NFL. So you can relate to everybody in this documentary. In a way, like I under I do think that what we're going to talk about now, folks, spoiler alert, you're probably gonna hear us like shit on this. But let me tell you, I do think this is an important story. There is some fascination towards it, but there's something about it that kind of keeps you at arm's length in certain ways that we'll get into here. But you uh, are a commissioner for the Drink and Draft League, and I am the champion of that league right now. I just want to remember. <laughs> I want to. That's why we did this whole yeah. bit. Okay, I, just wanted to remind you. I'm everybody. the champion of the Drink and Draft League. Reigning champion of one of those fantasy football leagues. I think I was one of the low seeds going into the playoffs, too. I, 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 did not, I did not have a really winning season. But thanks to Patrick Mahomes and constantly... <laughs> oh, you, you're like, you sound like my wife sleeping while I talk about Patrick Mahomes. Oh, sorry. You just uh, were in violation of Okert's rule? <laughs> Okert's rule? Yes. We'll get into that rule later. But I just want to remind you that I'm the champion. But you have a walk-it-off league. Yeah, how did you do in the walk-it-off league for listeners of uh, my walk-it-off radio program? I think I was dead last in that one. But how much money did you win winning that <laughs> win, winning that league? Look, that's you can't put money on that. It's that sounds, for the listeners of the radio show for fame and glory. <laughs> Shout-outs on air. That sounds like and something that someone to take me down. who didn't win money would say, I want a whopping 180 bucks. So listeners, come at me. Okay, they'll come on you. <laughs> Or come on him. No, don't don't do that. Come on him. We're talking. We're not about, even talking about fantasy football. No, we're not. But we're, we're talking about rotisserie. You had to. You had to break Okert's law. But this is the uh, the roots of everything we're talking about. The story of that is told in this movie, "Silly Little Game," by Adam Kurland and Lucas Jansen. All right, what are they directors of? I don't know. Cool. I'll look somebody up. (laughs) 
Oh, man. What is this, a Stewart episode? Oh, uh, Lucas Jansen is a director and writer for the Netflix series Bloodline. That's that Netflix show where the first season was pretty good and the second season I stopped watching halfway through the first episode. Did you ever watch Bloodline? Nope. That's Lucas Jansen. Let's see what uh, Adam Curland. Adam Curland. Content. <laughs> Adam Adam Curland. Uh, he's worked with... Um, ah, fuck it. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> Silly Little Game by Adam Curland and Lucas Jansen. It starts with the definition of fantasy. Which, uh, what is the definition of fantasy? I think it's when you wake up and there's a wet spot on your sheet. <laughs> Ooh, you know what really seems to turn me on more than anything? Waking up in the morning, am I right? God, waking up is so hot. <laughs> Every single day I'm happy I wake up. That's oh. truth. This movie thinks it's fucking hilarious. And not, look, I know, I know humor's subjective. I'm sure people have heard our antics on this show and have like rolled their eyes into their head. <laughs> And I, I, admittedly, a lot a lot of this show is designed for you to roll your eyes in your head. Like, that reaction's kind of normal. I don't know if that's meant to be the reaction for this movie. I don't know. I, I had a tough time getting a grasp on some of the decisions they made on this. Because I'm a big fan of bad humor as well. There's different types of that. Some, it's, you know, if you're trying to be funny and you're not, it's just bad. But if you're trying to be so bad that it's funny, sometimes that works. Yeah, that's a that's a fine line to walk for sure. It takes some real talent to be good at being bad. And it was really unexpected to see them try to walk that line in a 30 for 30. But I don't think they were trying to be bad. I thought they were trying to be funny. That's how I interpret it. Well, that's the line. Yeah. But these guys say it's no fantasy. It's just our little game inventing what ended up becoming a $2 billion industry, but not making any money off of it whatsoever. And we already get into some kind of heavy eye rolls in this thing, where one of the guys who was involved in this original fantasy league says that... He asked me how I felt having invented this phenomenon, and I said that I now knew what J. Robert Oppenheimer felt like having invented the atomic bomb. Nah, dude. <laughs> it's not quite the atomic bomb. And talking about how fantasy generates one to two billion dollars. And this, this movie came out around 2010. This movie's about nine years old. It's even bigger now. And there's a guitar well intro while they're going through all these statistics. The text on the screen, too, just looked so dated. It's interesting how some of these still hold up and some of the graphics look just so incredibly dated. Now but then we get into this opening scene where people are just getting doused in Yoohoo. Did that do anything for you? We meet a Dan Okrant. Can you just tell me how this whole thing got started? Uh, it started out of desperation and uh, uh, psychosis, I think. Uh, winter of 1979, 1980, and I was missing baseball. And uh, this sort of came to me in a dream, like an opium dream. Have you ever had Yoohoo? I My mean favorite Yoohoo story is that one time as you know teenagers or something we were out playing football in the streets yeah, this is interesting that i'm going you have into a this favorite you i do have a favorite you who story okay. <laughs> as we would we'd be out there playing you who playing you who god damn it <laughs> playing football in the streets just big games bunch of people and one of my buddies had a new girlfriend who wanted to impress his friends the guys so she shows up at our football game 
and she brought drinks and snacks for everybody. Awesome. Good oh, move, new girlfriend. That's nice, yeah. She brought Yoohoo. Okay. What do you want to drink in the middle of a day playing football in the sun? <laughs> Not fucking Yoohoo. But people drink them, right? Yeah. Yeah, of course. But it was terrible. It was so bad. No. You want water. You want Gatorades. You want anything but milk. <laughs> no one desires you to, but everyone will drink it if it's there. Is there even milk in that shit? I'm pretty sure it's just chocolate water. <laughs> in, in any case, it looks really great as a bath. <laughs> and we meet a very sleepy Dan Okrent reenactor. Okay. Yeah, reenactments. Half of this is reenactments. We are introduced to the reenactments when Dan Okrit is uh, recounting how he created a game where you play baseball using stats. And it created in about 1979 because he was missing baseball in the winter. And it cuts to an actor playing Dan Okrit, like beautiful mind, numbers floating in the air. The game as we know it can be recreated from numbers. My eyes are already rolling. I think I missed half of this movie because my eyes were like rolling up into my skull. <laughs> Those floating stats and numbers just happened through at least half of this movie. Yeah. We're just floating around on the screen. Just basic, basic stuff that didn't even make sense. Like, I'm pretty sure you saw the symbols for positions out there. First base, shortstop. <laughs> then there was OBP and average and, and random numbers like 30 and 50. Just... Random numbers and stats floating around your screen, multicolored, while actors stared up and off into the distance like they could see them. And it's just endless reenactments, seemingly endless reenactments. So now we see people playing Dan Okra and his friends, and they're in what they describe as a shitty restaurant. Are they in New York? They're in New York, yes. At the La Rotisserie Francois. <laughs> this reenactment was so mind-blowing. It's just a bunch of people sitting around the table being snarky about a restaurant. Yeah. Not funny. <laughs> just shitting on this restaurant and being awkward when the waiter comes over. Scenes that we really needed to see in this movie. This scene felt like a 90s comedy on Fox that got canceled after four episodes. <laughs> That's what it felt like to me. I love when they get really serious, too, and they zoom in on one of the actors' face when he's about to talk to his friends, and he just, just horror movies it. And it's like, you want to play a game? Uh, eye roll again. Make hand job motion. <laughs> They're so intense in this restaurant. The floating numbers and stats are still there in the restaurant scene. And then they're just like, Are you too afraid? Sit here munching on rotisserie chicken when I offer you ambrosia of the gods. Rotisserie baseball. These lines. Where did these lines come from? Please tell me they didn't actually say stuff like this. Do you guys want to sit here munching on rotisserie chicken while I offer you the ambrosia of the gods? Uh, uh. Which is... This game I just made up where you use stats to make a baseball team. Now, everybody involved in this league, this rotisserie league, they seem to be editors, publishers, and writers, all sitting around the magazine publishing world in New York City. And they contact a Valerie Salimbier, publisher of Ms. Magazine, 
And they ask her that corny ass question. Valerie, do you like games? They double down on that. Another scene that looks like an FBI interrogation room. I said, as a matter of fact, I hate games. You know what's the best thing about a joke is saying it over and over again. <laughs> I realize as I say that there's been plenty of gags on this show where I've like ad nauseum repeated shit over and over and over. And listeners have let me know that they don't appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. 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 Because apparently. Just keep saying it. Apparently. Apparently. Over and over again. But they brought Valerie in there by telling her that they couldn't talk over the phone because her phone might be tapped. <sighs> Why are they smashing mugs through this entire scene? I don't know. <laughs> They're just throwing I, mugs on the floor. I think you have to be like a fucking New York yuppie to think this is funny. It was just totally insane, these reenactments. They had to be going for comedy, because they're just so over the top. The mug smashing, why? <laughs> the really intense actors repeating these lines over and over again. And then we had that, like, big Lebowski trip-out scene in the restaurant, where all of a sudden the chefs are swinging cucumbers like baseball bats. <laughs> yeah, it was so funny. <laughs> so funny. Numbers are still floating around. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you're having a great time right here. <laughs> yeah. Talking about the invention of fantasy baseball. I or rotisserie like, baseball, sorry. I feel they like named a, it after their restaurants. A story I genuinely want to hear is getting ruined. That's what I feel like. I'm also amazed that they just kind of drop in at this point that one of the stats that he came up with to follow for this league was whip, which is a very well-known stat right now. It's walks and hits allowed divided by innings pitched for pitchers. And it kind of gives you, it's basically batting average for pitchers. Huh. How little base runners they allow per inning. Not a stat that was in the box score. And you have to uh, play National League only for this stat to work. <laughs> According to him. But that's a real stat that's used today everywhere. And apparently he invented that right there while he's coming up with rotisserie baseball. That's the biggest deal out of this right here, too, is that one of the most used stats that everybody knows about today came up at this uh, this ridiculously reenacted restaurant meeting? Uh, some people in this league, Lee Eisenberg, Rob Fletter, Bruce McCall, Glenn Wagner, Peter Gathers, Steve Wolf, Valerie Salimbier, and Dan Ockrit. And do you not, if you not know who any of those people are, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Although the baseball card graphic at this point, where they're just kind of introducing everybody in a little video while they have a baseball card with their fantasy team name, those are pretty cool. I get I maybe thought it was kind of dumb, but then I found myself wanting to see my own face on a baseball card. Yeah. Did you ever do that when you were a kid? I know when you played Little League, you'd be like, you get your own baseball card. Babe. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> those, are, those are the best picture do days. You, do you have your own rookie card? I don't have any of this stuff anymore, <laughs> but there might be some floating around there. Uh, collectors, take note. The way they treated Valerie in this scene was also batshit insane. <laughs> they show her getting into the sport now, now that she's in the league because they needed a girl. Yeah, I guess so. They told her that. Yeah. Which is, you know, all right, guys. I guess. But she gets really into it, and they show her <laughs> picking her team by the reenactor running through a field with photos of baseball players, mm. talking about their eye colors and... uh and their butts, she likes them butts. The way in which I prepared was really studying their stats. That was the first criteria. But the second criteria was what they looked like. How many had 
really, really dark brown eyes and how many had blue eyes, and then what they had in the back. You know, baseball pants were the original yoga pants. Do you know what the best thing about a nice ass is? Is that shit comes out of it. <laughs> Not where I was going with that, but all right. That's probably why she's into them. Look, I'm just saying, guys, get yourself a pair of baseball pants. Why do you think we played for so long? Uh, if I was an MLB commissioner, I would make them all wear baggy hammer pants. Lots more hit by pitches and lots less <laughs> stolen bases. Yeah, you could definitely play off like you got popped in the thigh a lot more. Lovers of fantasy sports know they discovered very quickly this new adventure absorbed every waking hour. They also discovered they thought they were baseball fanatics, but when you really get into a stat game, and at this time, they're having to write and do calculators and math and shit. And they were like, wow, we actually don't know shit about baseball after all. They really had to get up into their shit. This game lets you do a deep dive. You ready to get into this Founding Father shit? Ugh, I guess. The Founding Fathers are in New York, baby! This concept went on for way too long. It was the very first draft. The first rotisserie baseball draft. And I love the differing opinions on this. Valerie says it was the worst day of her life. It's <laughs> like, oh, this is going to be fun. We're going to draft our own teams. Nope, worst day of my life. Everybody was so intense. Nobody really knew what they were doing, but they were really, really into it. And so were these reenactors who were wearing powdered wigs for the entire scene. Everything about the draft. They're auctioning off players with real money. It's not real money. <laughs> it's not real money? Sarotisserie works. Auction you never played an auction fantasy league, have you? No, I don't I don't mess with that bullshit. Oh man, he's a he's a snake draft only guy. That was... yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, the way it started out, the rotisserie league and is still played in auction leagues, is basically you get a hundred dollars is the standard. Imaginary hundred dollars, not a real hundred dollars. And each individual player comes up for auction and players get to bid on them out of your hundred dollar budget. So if you want a star and you're willing to pay $26, what? A quarter of your budget. That's a quarter of your budget already, so you're going to need to fill out that roster with some scrubs later on that go for a dollar or two dollars. But it's not real money. See, I... This is your... Did it explain that? <laughs> no, it didn't, actually. No, it was a little too concerned with making sure everyone looked cool and powdered wigs. <laughs> then explaining how the game is actually fucking played. Yeah, yeah, they just kind of assumed you knew how auction-style fantasy sports worked. <laughs> no, no, I avoid the auction ones. People who are super, super into fantasy sports generally tend to say that auction's the only pure way to do it because it adds a real extra level of strategy. You know, when are you going to put somebody up for auction at the beginning when everybody has money left? It does seem interesting. Try to hold off later. Now that I know it's not real money, I'm a little <laughs> bit more drawn to the idea. Yeah, try it out sometimes. Maybe. It makes you into the GM of your own team. You have to decide how much money you want to give each one of these players. I want to be like the Bob Kraft of my fantasy team, and I'm going to go into this building, and uh, I'm going to request some fun. He got hand jobs. <laughs> Anyway, go on. Also, you should wear a powdered wig and eat cheese balls the whole time. <laughs> also, throw us into that this was not a completely original idea, just in case you were wondering. People have taken stats and made them into games before, and it throws you back into some of the Wayback Machine on this. And look, if you guys have heard anything, obviously, here on Documenteers, doing the sports talk show, Walk It Off, I'm a huge sports fan. I grew up a sports fan my whole life. I was 
big time nerd into sports. And I've actually played some of these games like Stratomatic Baseball, which is really just a whole bunch of cards with numbers on them. And you put them around and you tell a story and it ends up being a baseball game. Okay. We've made up games in our driveway. Me and my brother made up a million different games. Wow. Ways to play. This is... It's fun making up your own sports-based games. Sports fans are nerds, folks. Sports fans are giant fucking nerds. Oh, they drive that point home a bunch in this documentary. (laughs) You can like sports and be really, really nerdy about it. So they flash you into some of these things, which was a nice little uh, trip in the Wayback Machine for somebody like me who actually did play these games. And then it was like, Dungeons and Dragons, fucking nerds. I'm going to go home to my cards of sports numbers and make these players play a game. All right. But I love how immediately after they get their draft and they have their team set, everyone's like, I'm not rooting for any actual baseball teams anymore. I don't care about that at all. I'm rooting for my fantasy team. Yeah. My players completely ruined rooting for your fantasy team. These people are into their players and their teams, and the floating stats are back. Yes, I kind of missed them oh, during the God. reenactment scene. The beautiful mind horse shit. <laughs> but yeah, that's an instant conundrum you encounter when you start fantasy, is that your desire to uh, win in your fantasy leagues contradict what you want for your home teams. Okay, I need uh, Mariota to, one, not get injured on this play. <laughs> And two, make a touchdown pass. But if they do fumble the ball and the defense picks that up, uh, that that might help me out a little bit as well. Yeah, it really turned it into uh, <laughs> a little bit of a free-for-all. Especially, I'm interested in you getting into this as somebody who didn't really have as much of a sports background for this stuff. Fantasy football kind of immediately became this obsession like they're talking about in this movie. It's pretty amazing how quickly my brain adapted to it. And they talk about how now with computers you can see these stats instantly and follow along the the entire time as the games happen they'll flash you into tv shows actually talking about fantasy sports and giving you the stats as it happens but this was 1980 there's no computers they have to add this stuff up by hand in calculators from the box scores in the newspaper again and this was another nice thing for me i know dating myself but box scores were awesome Growing up as a Mets fan in New York, I used to cut out box scores out of the newspaper every day. (laughs) You can really see how the game worked from there. And I got, I had a little bit of a a feeling of sympathy for these guys who were just being jackasses in powdered wigs a second ago. But the idea of going through those box scores and underlining the players on your team and the other team and trying to figure out what the game happened and who's winning in, in rotisserie league baseball now. I was right there with them, man. It sounded great. D. Eisenberg was an intense trader, and he offers a dress shirt for Bill Buckner, and then it shows a reenactment of an actor who looks nothing like Bill Buckner. Not uh, even a little. That same guy is playing like every player that gets mentioned in the show. And so uh, Lee Eisenberg gets Bill Buckner, and he trades off a dress shirt. And if you think that story is not interesting, you're right. <laughs> That's bribery. That's bullshit, man. If you ever played in a fantasy league and somebody did that as a commissioner, you're out of the league right away. Can't trade real life stuff for fantasy players. But Lee was all about breaking the rules and forcing these trades through. There's always one guy like that in every league. But in the nature of fantasy, and we're using a term that comes along later, it's just rotisserie at this point. One of the things is that the things that make or break your team are not necessarily the guys that you're trying to get first. 
but those uh, deep, those deep benchers that you're going to end up having to use when half the people are injured later on. And they talk about the Mets closer, Neil Allen. Get mesmerized, get mesmerized. Went from a $2 acquisition to a value of 40 bucks. Did you like the reenactment here where they're on the steps of City Hall talking to somebody? Probably that exact same actor who played Bill it Buckner. Was, yes. Now being Neil Allen and, and getting his name wrong. I didn't like that. I didn't appreciate any of these reenactments. I thought they were fucking awful. <laughs> um, did you like at least how many times they said the Gether Swag Goners? Nope. Didn't like it. <laughs> I did like their trophy, the rotisserie trophy that they called the Wiggy Cup. The Wiggy Cup. That's and uh, more Yoo-Hoo dumping because that's their tradition. You know, I just realized that Yoo-Hoo is probably what it looks like when uh, Willy Wonka comes. <laughs> Thank you. Good night, everyone. Your mom listens to this show, doesn't she? Just going to leave that one there. Hey, Drew's mom. <laughs> The Gether Swag Goners win the, the Rotisserie League the very first year that it happens behind that $2 Neil Allen buy that they said they didn't even know his name when they got him. But they're so happy. They're so happy that they beat the smart guys. They beat Mr. Okrant, yeah. who invented the game himself. <laughs> and all right, I did like the reenactment where a sad Dan Okrant is mopping up all those like floating numbers and stats yeah. that fell on the ground, and now he's just mopping them up sadly because he lost his own league. I wonder if the graphics department, like, um, I hope they got paid pretty good. Man, they were so proud to be all covered in Yoohoo and Sticky. Yeah. That's what happens when you go to the chocolate factory. The candy man can cause he mixes it with love. And makes the world taste good. <laughs> All right, we got to get our shit together. I wrote in my notes, is this the most boring episode of the league ever? Where's Jason Manzuka set, man? He needs to liven this reenactment up. And much like today. <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> and much like today, the guys discover immediately that they can't shut the fuck up about their fantasy teams. Yes. And they will talk about rotisserie league baseball with everybody they meet. And sometimes he'd start talking to somebody and realizes four hours have gone by talking about his rotisserie league baseball team at a time when nobody played fantasy so they don't even know what the hell he's talking about but a lot of people get interested in this yes an article is written dan writes an article for inside sports magazine a league is then formed within inside sports and this spread like wildfire man those connections all about your connections these guys all worked in media so they were getting articles written up and this inside sports thing, like you said, really blew it up. Can you believe, speaking of connections, can you believe that they got Bill Simmons for this documentary? Yes. <laughs> I 100% expected Bill Simmons <laughs> to show up. I'm expecting him to show up in every 30 for 30 we do. I'm shocked when he does. I think part of the reason that this game took off was that there wasn't a lot to do in 1980. We had like 11 channels. So it was basically like you read and... He played Atari, and it wasn't even good Atari. It was like Pong. It was like really lit revolutionary, man. Quote Bill Simmons. 
because again that they work in media and they have these connections they get a book published but apparently also really apparently apparently <laughs> because apparently also just really weird anecdotes from each one of the teams this book is completely ridiculous we've got the gather swag goners way of drafting rotisserie league players and then they talk about rotisploitation <laughs> That might be the funniest line in the movie, really. We're gonna make t-shirts. We're gonna make money off this thing. And of course, we get a reenactment montage <laughs> of everybody now in business mode wearing ties and working on computers while the numbers float all around. It was so funny. <laughs> so funny. But they got on Over the Hill Reggie Jackson to be in their promo yeah, video. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Hi, I'm Reggie Jackson, and welcome to the greatest game for baseball fans since baseball. Rotisserie League Baseball. They started rotisserie conventions, which weren't really huge at first, but they managed to draw in people that were even bigger dorks than they were. They realized that all these people who weren't actually any good at sports grew up wanting to be owners and GMs, and now can live out those dreams. And people are talking about it again. This was probably the worst out of all the reenactments. Yeah. When they're getting out of a smoking limo, like big time celebrities and a couple people dressed up as like 80s nerd costumes are getting them to sign their chests. Uh, I don't even want to talk about this. Let, that... Let's talk about really confused Mark McGuire. People say I have you in, in, in my league and uh, I hope you do well this year. What can I say? I can do what I can do. Ken Ockren made a law, and this is a pretty good law. I gotta remember that this is Ockren's law. What is that law? I'm not giving him credit for this. I'm sorry. <laughs> when you, this is the most basic thing that everybody realizes immediately. He invented the game, so if it's basic, it kind of belongs. He did invent the thing, but he talks about it on the film and introduces it as his own law. Come on, man. Ockren's law. There's nothing more interesting than your own rotisserie team and nothing less interesting than someone else's and the plague that i have been beset with for having been associated with the invention of this game is that i meet people and they want to tell me about the trade they just made or the trade they didn't make or how they overpaid this player or i don't care and you don't care about my team it's really dull yeah Pretty much. It's a law everyone breaks when they're in a fantasy league. Because so. nothing's more interesting than your own team. Yeah, yeah. Well, books on this shit starts to accumulate. And the OG League didn't really manage to collect a lot of profit off of their creation. And other companies were like, oh, we'll, we'll, we just won't call it rotisserie. We'll call it fantasy because they copyrighted rotisserie. But all you got to do is just change the fucking name. And the name that the wheels changed to pretty much caught on a lot better than rotisserie. That was kind of the most fascinating line in this movie to me, was them talking about how they screwed up business-wise. You know, if we had figured out a way to capture the market. But the crucial mistake we made was basically one of hubris, which is we started from virtually year one trying to protect our trademark rotisserie we would dispatch this cease and desist letter cease and desist you are in violation of our trademark and of course what happened was they would say screw you we'll call it fantasy baseball and and once that genie was out of the bottle and rotisserie was such a 
goddamn dumb name anyways, just based on the restaurants where they were talking about it originally. Fantasy sports makes way more sense. Now it's fantasy sports. Nobody owns that trademark. We're all playing. And even if they managed to hold on to this, shit would have evolved again in the internet age, unless you were going to be the first programmers to come up with fantasy programs, you know? And when it got translated to football, that's when it really took off. Because look... Again, I've talked a bunch about how big of a sports nerd I am. Baseball is my number one sport. I play it. I love it. I don't play fantasy baseball. Because it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's it's too much. It's just too much. Daily games. 162 games over the course of the season. When fantasy football, you get, well, now it's like three a week. But still, <laughs> it's a lot easier doing fantasy football than it is fantasy baseball fantasy baseball is just too much now i've always wanted to do a fantasy nba league done that too and uh, listeners if you um you're out there and you want to do a fantasy nba league let me know uh i might join it maybe we can do a documenteers fantasy nba league i bet where'd you get the idea for a fantasy league from your show (laughs) what from for my show (laughs) Uh, yeah, you're the first person to come up with a fantasy <laughs> league sitting around a show. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're like... You you're sound, in that league, you're sounding it. like Don't fucking, say nothing. You're sounding like fucking Dan Ockrit right now. <laughs> hey, look. Uh, my new law is that if you want to be in my fantasy league... Yeah, give me money. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah. If I give you money, then that ups the chances of winning actual money. You know what? None of you guys have ever tipped your commissioner either. <laughs> That's that's standard operating procedure, most leagues. (laughs) Yeah, well, we're we're working on getting the commissioner fired. Our 1995 rotisserie is dead. Now, this is my least favorite reenactment. When they do a funeral and they're burying rotisserie chickens, I, I probably groaned for like 10 straight minutes. That's real bad. But in a fantasy reenactments from this documentary draft, you're taking that one after you take the signing shirtless nerds chests. I kind of forgot about that one until you reminded me, which it upset me that you reminded me. But this one is really was really hard on my brain. And I just recall like hating it. I do like the lines, though, how dramatic they are. Once again, they're like, you guys invented this, didn't make any money and now don't even play it. And all your wives still hate it. They hated it at the beginning. They still hate it. <laughs> like, look, you guys were real deal publishers in the business world. But all you talk about for years are your pretend sports teams. Now, after this bit, the the movie gets better. And I'll tell you why. They go into the internet, taking fantasy to the next level. Millions upon millions are now playing on online. There's an adorable little girl who owns a team called the Nick Jonases. Um, we're in about sixth place. That's in the 15 people league. And then we're not doing very well in the big one. Antonio Fasana. <laughs> well, I did want to mention that. Was that really her team name? That was her team name. Meatloaf is there talking about how he has over 40 fantasy teams. I had 18 fantasy baseball teams right now. I think 43 football teams. Oh, man, I got a pick and I have no clue who in the heck's left. How do you fucking have time to have 40 fantasy teams? I guess if you're Meatloaf, he's there acting like he's a really serious fantasy draft owner. And somebody asked him, have you ever heard of Dan Okrant? No. 
Do you know where the word rotisserie comes from, or do you have any? I have no idea. And do I care? <laughs> it comes from uh, the making the chicken. You cook a chicken on the grill on the rotisserie. How's that? Oh, Derek Mason. That's not a bad pickup at this this level. Dan would not go to the honoring of the rotisserie founders by the city of New York. Seem a little high hat of you, Dan. <laughs> but this is the best part of the movie. You know why? There's no reenactments for like 10 fucking minutes during this part. No, it's actual footage of them receiving a proclamation from the city of New York. What is a proclamation? I don't know. Cool? Cool. Maybe it's fine that Dan didn't show up. <laughs> well, Dan is just... Dan's just uh, a little sour grapes right now. Well, Matthew Barry, we oh, we know Matthew who that Barry. we know who that guy is. <laughs> He's on the ESPN fantasy videos and shit. He's in this a lot, also, and so is Dan LeBatard. But do you agree with him when he says that the rotisserie guy should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame? No. <laughs> no. No. I do agree with the line that he had, where he says that. Think of something that's been invented that has contributed to the enjoyment of a sport more than fantasy in the last 30 years. And you can't, you can't. I made baseball fans better fans because you got so into the statistics of the game, but that's that's debatable too. Are you a better fan if you're interested in one player from each team or if you're a fan of your team? Look, all of this is debatable because it's a made up pretend sport. <laughs> it's almost like fantasy slavery. Like, you can pretend like you own all these people. That's how the wives tended to see it. They're like, stop talking about all these people you own. Yeah, it's kind of weird if you think about it like that. There is some moral conundrum to this shit, especially when you draft, like, wife beaters and shit like that, you know? But one of the reasons Dan didn't show up, I think, is he's, he's real salty. He's bitter, yeah. He's real salty because he has never won a fantasy league. And he has gotten back into playing in, like, less intense <laughs> leagues, and he's still... Did I mean, he say he played Fantasy Recreational Softball League? What? At no. the end of this movie? No, he didn't. I think he said that. Maybe that's why I started playing again in our extremely limited, slow-pitch, old man's AARP rotisserie, which I play now. And that was real fascinating for me, because I really want some nerd <laughs> to show up at one of my softball games keeping score. How do you know who to pick? Like, you'd have to go to... That seems weird. You'd yeah, have to, it seems weird. You'd this whole have thing to, seems weird. You would have to be in the league to be able to understand who you're playing against all the time. Or just go to the games and be a real creeper. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> That'd be so weird. The teams are like, just sign up, bro. <laughs> Sticky in right field. And they're like, well, I don't know. I, uh... <laughs> Look, I was a little tuned out of this doc by now, but I'm pretty sure he said old man softball. He just he needs his fix, man. He, I... <laughs> that's the reason he started this thing was he's an obsessive personality a fucking rec league fantasy nerd i can imagine him like asking like a fat first baseman how's your ankles doing there i show my fantasy league <laughs> i want to hear that just once oh man look if i was to play rec league softball fantasy league i would draft you i'd pay a good Four bucks for you. Hey, appreciate that, man. Yeah, I've seen you play. You're good. <laughs> but Dan never winning. The inventor of fantasy sport, rotisserie sports, never winning a league. It's like Hugh Hefner never got laid. Except Hugh Hefner got laid a lot. So that there's a big difference there. <laughs> they don't care about that stuff in this movie. <laughs> they just care about delivering lines as seriously as possible. 
But what I was really excited about here at the end of the movie that w- that it was over is that the floating numbers came back uh, one more time, baby. Uh, we didn't have the floating numbers and stats for a while, but then they came right back at the end, closed out the movie with floating numbers and stats all over that screen. And that's that film that you can technically call a film, Silly Little Game by Adam Curlin and Lucas Jansen. I hope you learned a lot. <laughs> now, Drew, we don't rate in a star rating scale. We rate in a Herzog rating scale. I'm going to give this one through five Herzogs. You're going to give this one through five Herzogs. We're going to combine them like a bottle of you that is on anyone's head except Dan Ockren. Nope, never got the Yoo-Hoo. For best Do you think ad- he bought bottles of Yoo-Hoo and just poured them over his own head? <laughs> like, really sadly at some point? <laughs> I won! And it is that point where his wife is like, I'm leaving, I'm taking the kids. <laughs> this is what it feels like to be a winner. And we will combine them for best out of ten songs. I'm gonna go first. Can we play fantasy this documentary? <laughs> fantasy documentary? <laughs> fantasy documenters, what am I gonna give this movie? Yeah, if everybody is uh, right now, get your scorecards out. How many stars is Bob going to give? How many stars is Drew going to give? You mean Herzogs. God damn it. <laughs> how many, how many, her- well, predict how many Herzogs you think I'm going to give this Can we thing? redo this line? <laughs> <laughs> nah, we'll leave it in. If you're playing fantasy documenteers and you're scoring in stars, you already blew it. Yeah, you're going to be disqualified. You're going to be the Dan Okrant of documenteers fantasy. Yeah. Pouring you who on your own head. How alone. many Herzogs do you think I'm going to give this? Or just make a prediction. I have a number in mind. If you nail it, I'll let you know. <laughs> one. Mm, you're a, you're a point five off. Yes. I'm, I'm giving it 1.5 because this just got on my fucking nerves. And you know what else? I'll say this. When we t- we talked about the ESPN short, Tommy and Frank, and I complimented that on knowing that it could be a short documentary. It knew we could get to the point. This could have been 15 fucking minutes. This should have been a 9 for 9, 1.5 out of 5 Herzogs. The 9 for 9s were about Title IX, the female sports. Whatever. <laughs> I don't host a sports show. You watch these things and talk about them on your own podcast show. I'm the guest host here, all right? <laughs> well, what do you give this? Oh, yeah, I thought you were going to get into it a little bit more. No, I'm, I have nothing. <laughs> You're like, I'm done with this shit. We're set to talk about um, one that's more interesting after we finish this, so. All right, so let's play uh, Fantasy again. Oh, okay. I'm going to say you give this 2.25. You're close also. Yeah? A little bit. I'm definitely giving it a little higher score than you are, but let's say... Let's be fair here. Right off the bat, you're losing two complete Herzogs for those actors yes. in the reenactments. And that That's guy, two full Herzogs off because those reenactments were garbage. That wig that the guy playing Dan Ockert was wearing. I mean, that's a Herzog off right there. But you know what? I'm going to give it a, Herzog, a half a Herzog back because by the end of this movie, and maybe I was just in a good mood or maybe I'd had a couple drinks, but I was kind of cheering every time those floating numbers came back on the screen. <laughs> Like it was another game, because it was so ridiculous. Like, hey, they're back. I kind of missed them. Man, I wish I could go back in time and start drinking before I watch this. <laughs> That's it. 3.5. 3.5? Wow, dude. That is so much higher than it really should be. Let's be frank. Those reenactments were so awful. <laughs> but... I enjoyed watching this documentary. 
I enjoyed watching it because as terrible as those scenes were, I liked the story. It brought back a whole lot for me, just as someone who grew up with all this stuff and going through the box scores and looking at all these stats, realizing that this guy invented Whip, which is a giant stat involved in the conversation around baseball at this point. And the idea of somebody just inventing games to get more into in tune with baseball is something I felt a really big connection with. And I loved a lot of the little parts in this. You had to dig through mountains of crap to yeah. get to a lot of these little parts. But there was some really good information. Like you said, it could have been much, much shorter. Yes. We did not need to know everything about these guys' teams. This own documentary doesn't follow Okrin's Law. <laughs> it talks so much about their own teams. And that book, just these guys are completely insufferable. Every single one of them. So you take my 1.5, combine it with your 3.5. That's 5 out of 10 Herzogs. <laughs> That's two Herzogs more than what this really should be, but it takes nope. two to make a Herzog tango. Five out of ten Herzogs is what it is. You get credit if if it just makes you feel good watching the movie, or if it makes you roll your eyes so hard that they fall out of your goddamn skull. <laughs> I'm surprised my eyes didn't get stuck. Well, that's it. Five out of ten for... Silly. <laughs> You're trying really hard to forget this one, aren't you? Yeah, my brain keeps... Dumping it out as it comes in. Five out of ten for Silly Little Game by Adam Curlin and Lucas Jansen. And that's the way the Herzogs crumble. That's that. And keep on docking. You said you were pooping, but I know you were just putting on some baseball pants and checking out that ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. That's true. Apparently. Thank you, George. You're a classy guy with your black back. You know we sure rely. You know California is where I'm from. But for New York, I hit home runs. Power and speed, you know we got. We're the beast of the East. When you're hot, you're hot. When Dwight is in the groove, there's no doubt. Next word you'll hear.